Hi, I'm Chanel, digital marketing specialist, marketing coach, and owner of Ninky, a strategy and content marketing agency that helps businesses increase their online presence and build their brand community. If you're a marketing manager, CEO, or thriving business owner, this podcast is for you. Ninky Talks offers marketing tips, insights, and advice from industry professionals who know their sh**. If you dig the podcast, subscribe and share it. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Ninky Talks. Today, I'm speaking to Sam Davies, the Executive Director at KWPX. He's a leader in his industry, often at the forefront of new tech, and has over 15 years of wisdom. Over 15 years? Was it more than that, Sam? It's about that, I think. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm turning 40 tomorrow, so hopefully there's more than 15, but 15 <laughs> in this business. 15-ish years of wisdom that he's going to share with us today. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for being here. Nice to see you, Chanel. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, you know, for listeners who who want to know, the last time I saw Sam, I'd had a couple of drinks and I thought it would be an excellent idea to put him on my back and see if I could do squats with him on my back. <laughs> um, so so that was a, a fun little story of our last meeting. Did not go well. If you want to uh, if you want to uh, send a DM, I, I might have the video footage of that. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. It, was, it, was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Anyway, so, so here he is. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and just give our listeners a bit of a rundown on what you do. And then what we're going to do is we're going to whiz through Sam's biggest, 10 biggest lessons from running a business. So before... Uh, the merger happened. He owned uh, a business called Digital Noir, which is now merged and and formed part of of um, KWPX. Um, and he started a series on his ten biggest lessons in business. And there was some really really good stuff in there. So I was like, let's whiz through those bad boys today. Um, he's told me that he he might waffle on, so I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him some some signings to to make sure that he can get through all ten. Um, but yes, let's get you to introduce yourself, Sam, and then let's crack open those 10, 10 biggest tips. Awesome. Thank you so much. So uh, my name's Sam Davies. Um, yeah, like you, uh, like you mentioned, I ran a business here in Adelaide called Digital Noir for about 11 years. We were specializing in website and app design development, digital experiences broadly. I, I got into the business through design. I started out, I studied graphic design at UniSA a million years ago. It was on Pill Street. Actually, I think that's where we saw it to the last time, um, where before Pill Street was actually Pill Street. It was in a little warehouse um, above one of the restaurants there. Studied design, always loved creativity and wanted to get into a creative field. And then I um, traveled for a couple of years and found myself in London in the early 2000s and was trying to sell myself as a designer, sort of visual identity brochures, uh, any any sort of any design work that that I could get my hands on. And it was perfect timing for the sort of web 2.0 era and, and people really, businesses really coming into the sort of idea that you need to have a website as a business and working with small businesses and kind of built my business up from there, helping small businesses grow from a holistic kind of marketing perspective um, all the way from brand through to through to digital. And then yeah, 18 months ago, I've uh, been running DN for 11 years, uh, started conversations with KWP about a potential merger and 
really got excited about this opportunity to we 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 really taken DN to a position where we're focusing on websites and, and apps and digital experiences, but weren't touching sort of the top of the funnel um, brand and marketing sort of more broadly outside of the, the digital space. So to get involved in a, an agency that was full service and, and really be able to touch all of the touch points across a modern, a modern marketing funnel or a, a modern uh, sort of customer experience pathway was exciting for me. So that's where I am now. And uh, yeah, executive director of branded digital and, Still just learning lots as I try and uh, try and pretend I know what I'm doing. You do a fantastic job, don't you? Don't you worry. But <laughs> we're always learning. That's the thing with digital is that no one can claim to know everything because it's always evolving. So, alrighty. We put let's... these. Uh, we... Oh, sorry. Yes. Mm. Oh no, you go. No, I was going to say. Well, let's let's crack in. So, give give us your your, your top ten biggest learnings from running your business. So I put these together uh, with Caitlin, who uh, works with me at DN, has come across here to Kadoo PX, and we thought we'd try and summarize some learnings I had after you know 10 years. It's been 15 years actually running my own business. So starting at number one is dive in the deep end. And I think this is really important. And I kind of joke saying, you know, as I keep learning, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but especially in this industry, but I think any any role in any industry, you've kind of got to take some leaps of faith at some point. I took a big one when I was living in London and, you know, sort of working a couple of odd jobs. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was said, you know, you love design, why don't you just become a designer? And the stakes were pretty low at that point. Like I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't really have didn't have too much sort of external pressure on me outside of just, you know, making rent. And I said, well, yeah, maybe I can make rent by selling design and, and just dove in. But I think I've kept that kind of spirit of not really thinking too much about taking the plunge. And, um, you know, I think you can get caught up in worrying about the pitfalls that might be there down below or, or the, you know, the ifs and that's. And a lot of people don't end up, you know, taking those plunges or doing the things that might propel them to the next the next plateau or potentially take them into a, into a, um, into, into some hollow ground, but we can talk about that. But I think actually having the guts to, to take the jump is, is number one. Yeah. And it's a good one because, um, you know, a lot of people have fears about developing their business or even starting a business, but you've got to embrace that fear because you kind of have to fail before you're a, a success. Like part of success is learning from those failures. So, that whole screw it, just do it mentality is one that's definitely served me very well in my business. Um, and I think that that's a, a really good number one to start with. And it's nice. And, and maybe, you know, the benefit of hindsight, you know, I can stand here and say, oh yeah, I was so brave and die. I mean, I think it, there was probably a bit of naivety in there, but there was definitely a spirit of, you know, obviously, you know, you want to, you want to take calculated risks. You're not going to, you're not going to um, put yourself in a position where you're going to bankrupt yourself or, you know, uh, impact your own well-being or those around you. But I think you need to take some dives. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Love it. Number two. Cool. Number two, stand on the shoulders of giants. This was, I mean, it's funny. So I, people going back to sort of in, when I was in London and people, my first website job. So I was doing some logo design for a, um, a local photographer in, where was she? In, uh, um, out in Woodgreen in London. And she was, uh, Eastern European photographer doing some cool stuff and actually, you know, sort of 
getting some pretty cool gigs in London. She wanted to brand herself. So I, I did some branding work for her um, and a bit of sort of positioning work and visual identity. And she's like, I need a website. And she had like 300 quid or something. And she's like, oh, I'll give you 300 quid. And I was like, sweet. I know how to do websites. And I, you know, I just had that mentality. And maybe, maybe I can tie all these together, but it was cool. I'm going to, I jumped onto I don't know, one of the, uh, one of the uh, illegal downloading torrent sites of the day and downloaded a pack of like how to build a website from one of the, um, I can't remember, lynda.com, lynda.com. It was oh, a, yes, I know her well. I think it was a 30, 30 hour, 30 hour HTML tutorial, but I like, I, I just dove in and learned. And for me, that was just this understanding that, you know, the world we live in now, very much so now, you know, people that are under the age of, of 40 will probably be like, what's he talking about? But at, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, information was harder to come by but there was still great information out there and you know no, nothing's new under the sun um everything's out there to find if you want to if you want to position yourself as a as a photographer or as a web developer um you don't necessarily have to go and do a, a four-year degree all the information's out there it's really just you know finding the people that are doing the things that you want to do and learning from them and you know so that's that's an online example but i think in my career i've really tried to um level up by learning from people that are smarter than me hiring people that are smarter than me and you know not having the ego to feel like um i have to do it all myself and and yeah ceiling like an artist i feel like adelaide's actually really good um at that in my experience like i am friends with a lot of agency owners um in adelaide and we all share stories with each other that could help each other because there's enough business to go around there really is so I'm definitely a believer of that community over competition because if we can, you know, learn from each other, then that, that's only going to result in something good. So I don't, I don't hold I think, anything too close to my chest. I think that's really improved in the last decade. I think when I when I came back from the UK, and it was very much that culture in agency world or web world anyway in London. And coming back to Adelaide, I felt a little bit like it was a little bit parochial, and there was, you know, people didn't want to tell their secrets and. You don't really want to you know, be friends with the other agency because you're in competition. But I think I've always taken, and I'm the same as you, I'm friends with lots of people that are, I would deem competitors, but sharing is caring. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, in working in the world of startups, which I've done a lot of, you know, people feel like they have to be protective over their ideas. Ideas are easy. Execution is is where it actually um, comes to fruition. So I think, you know, transparency and community is, is amazing. Uh, we can all level each other up. The, the better we all get, the better the industry gets. I agree. And you could even tweak that to um, jump on the backs of other agency owners. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Any giants, <laughs> anybody, anybody that's doing anything. That's a joke. Oh, yeah, li literally. On my back. <laughs> oh, sorry, You're like, no, I like it the way it is. It's all right. You know, any giants, <laughs> any old giants. All right. Number three. Number three is a smile and a handshake. So I think for me, this is the little things matter. It's something that I think when I recorded the video, I talked about, my my dad uh, ran petrol stations. He was a teacher, and then he, he got into the petrol station business. And I don't know why it was probably my mum's um, my mum's contribution because she's an interior designer and has a creative eye. But this is back in the late '80s. But uh, they had just started phasing out the whole idea of uh, people pumping your petrol for you. So back in the day, you'd go to the you'd go to OTR, and someone would actually pump your petrol for you. Yeah, but they had this they had this yeah they had this idea to bring that back. But what they did was they 
gate. So it was mobile petrol stations at Darlington and then Seaford, but they they got uniforms for the station. Everyone had bow ties and they gave out chocolates to everybody. And it just like brought this like weird kind of, you know, uh, concierge uh, vibe, a very simple thing to do in a sort of environment where you wouldn't expect it, but it just made a difference and it had, it had really successful business off the back of that because people connected with it. And I think that was something that stuck with me that, you know, any way you can personalize, any way you can add that little human touch, that little flair in business um, really matters. And I, and it, I think as we go forward into this crazy fragmented world we live in now where people consumers have much much more choice and and they have more say that all the little things do matter so for me this the idea of a smile and a handshake is you know the a connection with someone and a, you know a look in the eye and a, and a handshake however that looks in your business and whatever industry you're in is actually really important no matter how digital things become yeah I, lo- I love that we like to send our clients gifts like christmas gifts um and love, actually, love just as you were talking about shaking hands, uh, I've just thought it's a good segue into this hilarious story that happened yesterday. I went to my first Showcase SA event um, and everyone that I shook hands with was looking directly at my chest and really zoom, like really zooming in and tilting and looking looking at my chest. I thought, God, this is a weird, weird bunch of people. When I realized that my name tag was sort of right there and tilted <laughs> to one side which I thought was was pretty funny um but yes I love that adding personal touches where you can is super important and it doesn't have to be expensive or difficult um no. you know even just hand handwritten notes are, are a nice little touch so yes I love that what's number Wait, I mean, even oh okay, sorry yeah. go yes. on no 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 do the, do the wrap up because I'll, I'll I'll go and segues on all of them um number four is know yourself uh so I think especially as a as a you know, as a business owner but any sort of leadership role i mean I'll, anybody really you know but i think that you you have to learn what you're good at what you're not good at where you thrive where you don't thrive and and often this is through the uh, through the trenches and you learn the hard way but i think um as i started again going way back to the start as i started building websites I, it became pretty apparent to me that i wasn't the world's best developer i could i could sort of I could hack some code from here and there and make things happen. And, you know, I could have continued doing that for probably until now doing half-assed websites, but I, I realized that, okay, I'm good at, I'm good at the uh, making the connections and selling this in, but I'm probably better off getting someone better at me to do the actual developments. So I think a continual and quite conscious and focused uh, journey of understanding who you are and, and what you're good at and where your value is best brought into your team or your business and doubling down on that and, and trying to cut off the stuff that perhaps you're not so good at. And and also off the back of that, knowing, for example, when you work well, I work best in the morning and, and just being conscious and sort of understanding the nuances of of you as a as a human, I think that's a it's a big plus if you're going to go and start your own business. And making sure that you kind of like like I love that, and also making sure that you establish your values. What are what are your own values, and how are those values going to integrate with your business? Um, because yeah. I think that that's that that's really important. Um, yeah, no, good one. What what a great segue to number five. Um, <laughs> Number five is culture stems from you. Watch yourself. Um, so, hundred percent. So everything, especially when you have a small team, and, and Chanel, I love watching you and your team, and can see, you know, your, you know, when you reasonably well, your sort of energy kind of vibrating through through your business. But you know, 
not even in a small business. We, we have 85 people here now and people really look up to you. anybody as a leader at the top of a business and, um, it, you know, leaders eat last summer and Cinex book is a, a great, uh, a great kind of tone to this, but it really does stem from what you do. So I think that you need to be the force of, of growing the culture. You need to lead by example. You need to understand what you care about. If you care about, you know, um, working long hours, whatever it might be, or you care about, you know, you have, you have certain principles in your life that you believe are important, then you start that, that starts trickling down from you. And and I think the more conscious you are of that, the, the better business you can actually build. And I, I, interestingly for me, I wasn't, I didn't set out with that kind of stuff. I didn't sit down and write my, you know, my personal values. And this is the type of business I want to build. It was quite organic, but especially as you reflect after, you know, 10, 15 years of doing it, you start realizing how important that stuff is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And for me, you know, that's the biggest joy of what I get to do. Um, Like I love, I love our clients and I love having success stories from our client work, but the, my biggest joy is my team. Um, hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's really important to me to make sure that I've got a culture that makes for happy employees because also happy employees make for happy clients. So, um, so yeah, very much so love number five. It's interesting. I've seen lots of small business owners that have struggled in the transition from say, perhaps being a freelancer or, you know, having a small team to being that kind of taking that next step to being, being a leader, because you can find yourself getting stuck in your own ways and, delegation is a part of it but i think another part of it is really sort of getting out of your own way and understanding that okay so i had built such a good relationship with a lot of my team that they'll call me on stuff and they know when i'm you know i'm i'm off value or you know off the things that i ask of them and rather than you know being in a sort of traditional hierarchical environment where the boss what the boss says goes they'll call me on it and it, that really builds trust and kind of psychological safety within the team if they if they know that um it's you know it's not just a a top down guy with a whip that's going to uh, going to make yeah. you do something exactly but and that's a testament to your good leadership. And I remember I had a moment with my team. We had a client who was based overseas, and this client owed us about twenty thousand um, dollars. Mm. And it was difficult because I had to make the call to like end that relationship. Uh, and she at that time was, you know, generating a, a lot of money for the business. She was our biggest paid client, but she was also the one that would always pay late. Um, and it was awesome because I had this, you know, I was sitting there going, oh my God, okay, what am I going to do? And my team just, they almost led me and they said, mate, we'll, we'll get more work. Like it's like, we're very good at what we do. <laughs> so just get the money and, you know, get rid of this client. And then we'll, we've, you know, we've, we've got, we've got you, we've got you, you've got you, we got this. And I pulled the plug and it was the best thing we ever did because the business just grew and it grew in a much better direction at that point. Um, so that was a really nice I moment for me to know that I'd created that environment where I could actually be vulnerable with them because I don't know all the answers and I'm not perfect all the time. And they could actually like support me in that moment, the way that I would support them. So, so yeah, love it. Another brilliant segue. It's like you've been reading the list. So number six <laughs> is um, per perfect is the enemy of progress. Um, I think that I've just got my notes in front of me here, but for me, when I started my podcast, um, it was, I always had this idea that I, I wanted to do it and I put it off for a couple of years because I wanted to make it perfect. And I had, you know, I wanted, I wanted all the gear and blah, blah, blah. And 
and at some point you've just got to do it and you just got to do the thing and you start building from there. And I, I, it really is a, I should read a, um, I shared a post by, um, I think it's James Clear, the Atomic Habits guy this morning, but you know, just, just every single little increment really adds up. And if you're constantly worried about everything being perfect, then you're really not going to get anywhere. So um, ship it and, you know, look back and say that that wasn't the best it could have been, but then learn from it and keep going. Yes, I like that. Um, I know some people say done is better than perfect, um, which is a, a similar sort of one, but I think get it, get it mm. as close to perfect as you can. I was the same. I wanted to launch a podcast for ages and waited and waited. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to do it on Zoom. I'm going to record it on Zoom. My mic is from Kmart. <laughs> and it's fine. It works. Like you can still hear. And I'm smashing our interviews all the time, which has, um, you know, opened a lot of doors. So, yeah, I, I love that example. And, yeah, just done is, done is better than perfect. Yeah, love it. I mean, I always strive for perfection, but yeah, I think if you, if you, you've got to ship stuff when it's not perfect, because otherwise you're just going to end up never releasing anything. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I've, I often say to my, um to my team that I don't expect you guys to be perfect all the time, but I sort of expect you to be as close to perfect most of the time. <laughs> So it's one of those <laughs> things where like, you're not going to be perfect all the time, but just strive to be as, as close to it as possible when you can. All right. Now I can't anticipate number seven. Any clues? Number seven, assume everyone else sucks. This is an interesting one for me. I, I, I find that again, like maybe I just had naive confidence and very low kind of, especially just diving into my own world where I didn't really have, there wasn't a lot of you know, downside really outside of pride and, you know, my own, my own sense of self-worth. Like I didn't really have a, a boss or a job, but I think I kind of got into this mode that I know I don't know the thing that I'm about to go into, but I'm just going to pretend that and I suppose it's, it's this make it till you make it but I prefer assume everyone else sucks because I see a lot of young professionals coming into the world who are very smart and actually know much more than they think they do they might not have all the experience you know in in the industry whatever that might be but they they really uh they hurt themselves by being too anxious about assuming that everyone else in the room is smarter than them or assuming that other people have more uh have more say because they have experience or age or gender or whatever it might be. So I, I actually, I really think that, you know, coming into coming into any sort of business situation with a little bit of a hubris in yourself to, and, and self-confidence to back yourself, um, you're obviously going to be humble about it, but I think backing yourself and, you know, really just assuming that the person that's sitting across from you, I see this a lot with marketing managers. I come into meetings and deal with marketing managers a lot and, you know, and some, some, you know, big businesses, uh, you know, if you come into a meeting like that, thinking that, gosh, this person's, you know, worked all over the world and they're going to know so much more than me, um, you do yourself a disservice. So I think backing yourself and coming in with confidence is really important for your own growth. Yeah, I think it is important. And I, I know that when my team, have they've presented for the first time, that's exactly yeah. what I say to them, that you, 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 you're probably going to know more than the people in the room. Otherwise they wouldn't be coming. They're coming here to learn something. So they obviously don't, you know, they don't, they don't know. Um, and it's important to train yourself to have that's that self-belief and self-confidence. Um, Cause it's always easy to point out the things you don't know and forget about all the things that you do. So I think that that's a really valuable tip. 
Definitely. And that, that, you know, the confidence is really important. I think present, presenting, for example, with confidence uh, is going to, you know, the confidence alone is going to take you up two levels regardless of what you're presenting. So um, yeah, back yourself. Love it. You're doing very well, Sam. We're already at number, number eight. <laughs> are we? Number eight? Yeah, we're at number eight. Your answers number are perfect. Eight not is... too short, not too long. Excellent. <laughs> Number eight is make mistake once. So make mistakes once. So this is coming back to diving in the deep end. So yes, diving in the deep end. Well, I definitely don't, I don't, I don't live this. Uh, I don't live this because I make mistakes way more than once. But ideally, you know, if you, if you make, if you dive in and you fall, you, there's something to learn there and, and you really do want to learn from it. You need to be conscious of, of what you're, what you have just experienced and move forward from there. And I've had lots of big, troughs in my career and in my business i've made mistakes i've made wrong decisions i've I've stuffed projects up i've done things wrong with my team but you know all of them i see is really great opportunities for learning so uh, i suppose you know the ideal is to make the mistake once and then and do it differently next time what would you say have been some of like the biggest whoopsies you made you don't have to share it if you don't want but i know that one of the biggest mistakes that i continue to make is like undercharging um and it's it's you know stuffs you up every time but i still do it i still haven't learned the art of of charging the right amounts especially when we get big projects it gets really really hard to um to keep track of the ever-evolving scope of work um that's one mistake that i make and i definitely don't make it once I make it all the time. <laughs> so again, back to what you were saying earlier, I'm looking to hire a project manager because then it takes me out of that because that's, it's just, I'm so entrenched in the, in the project that I don't have time to, to manage it properly. Um, so yeah, what would you say have been sort of your biggest learning or, or your biggest mistake that you've never that, made that's again? A, that, well, so I'll tell you one that I keep making, but that, that was a big journey for me, that, that same one. Uh, I think, I, so diving in the deep end, great. And I've learned so much, but I said, especially early on, I said yes to a lot of things that theoretically I shouldn't have said yes to. I think in hindsight, they've been, they've been good and career building might not have been so great for the, uh, the project client at the time, but um, we we're probably both naive. So one for me is, is checking myself of saying yes too much. And if some of my team are listening to this, they'll probably be like, yep, that's, that's good, Sam. Don't say yes so much. Yeah. Uh, but one one that I've noticed myself, and I just I was actually having a conversation about yesterday, is I I I really should trust my gut, and I think that I, I have good intuition generally, and often I'll find myself looking back over like three months, you feel something's not right, whether whether it be a team member or a client or just something something you know in your in your world that you wish you'd actioned earlier, and I, I think. Um, a mistake that I probably make is is not actually jumping on things and actioning them when I when I feel it. It's easy to put stuff off because it's because you're busy, right? And it's and some things are hard. So um, that's a mistake that I probably uh, can, I'm going to continue to have to battle. So I'm exactly the same. Um, your gut and your like, you know, when something's not right. But I sort of I, I rationalize it in my head. Like I feel it in my gut, but then rationalize it in my head. And before I take on a project, if I've got that gut feeling saying, "Oh, maybe it's not the right fit," but then I go, "Oh, well, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure it'll be fine, and I'll just yep. make sure that this." And it's up every single time. Like my, I don't think my gut has ever been wrong, but I for some reason just can't listen to it. Um. So yeah, yeah and, and 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 we have to do. 
we're very good at rationalizing and we're very good at painting a picture for you know our own self-preservation whatever that might be but yeah you if you feel it in your gut i think as long as you as long as your intuition's on point then and, and you trust it then i would say the quicker you can act on that the better especially because ultimately your mental health is a lot more worth a lot more than you know what someone's willing to pay to be you know, a difficult client to work with. So I've promised my team that I'm going to do better at saying no. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. That's my like catchphrase. And so saying no and listening to my gut more. So um, yes, good one. We're at number nine. We've got, we've number got nine. Eight, eight minutes and 42 seconds to go and we've got two. We're going to be we're slaying it. I love this. Wow. This is, this is, this is uh, efficient. Um, <laughs> number nine is don't don't settle don't what what does this mean to me i think like it's a personality trait i suppose and maybe it's a personality trait that is you know a bit more endemic of people that want to start their own business but you know i'm i'm a restless person by nature i'm a curious person by nature curious is probably better than restless but i think that this idea i think if you can cultivate a, a mentality of you know, appreciating when things are good, but always, always sort of feeling like, hey, like what, how could it be better? What's next? And, and while, you know, while I said perfect is the enemy of progress, I think it's this idea of if you want to grow a business and you want to innovate or you want to you know, build something, to create something, then um, resting on your laurels and saying this is enough or I think I've got the answer isn't really the way. I think continually questioning yourself, um, always learning, always you know come in every day and and looking at what you've done and saying you know is this as good as it can be so it's it's sort of continual progression i i like I, i've always said over the years i've had lots of people come to me with you know frameworks or business perspective and i didn't i wasn't i didn't study business uh at all classically this idea is sort of even, even like business plans five-year business plans and a lot of kind of frameworks around business broadly uh i find difficult because over five you know if i look back in five year chunks like things change so rapidly and so you can set a north star you can set, set a sort of horizon to, to go to but i think for me having a kind of building a, an attitude or a um a philosophy of you know continual improvement and curiosity is is better than is better than sort of trying to put it down into an Excel document or a Gantt chart and then uh, hoping it'll get there. Or even worse, just saying everything's good today and I don't need to change anything. Unless you've found the magic formula, but I don't think many people have that. I honestly think that that's one of the things that makes an average business owner, um, like makes a better business owner versus an average business owner. Because for me, I very seldom look at my successes. I'm always looking at what could have been better and always looking at how yeah. we can change and how we can adapt and how we can offer more or how we can be add more value. And I think that that's, that's the difference between, I'm sounding really up myself now, but that's the difference between an average versus like an <laughs> exceptional entrepreneur because I'm always looking at what could have been better. So that, and then that's what moves, moves the business forward. So um, I love the I love the not settling thing. I too am very restless. I have anxiety, which means I cannot sit still for very long, and I'm always thinking. My brain's always on, and I'm always thinking for the next thing to do. Um, which we've done a big, big thing of at the moment because of ChatGPT, which has like taken a huge chunk of our work because people are putting it through there. So now I'm going, all right, well that's that's no worries. What else can we do? We've got you know we've got plenty of skills, plenty of brain, plenty of um 
you know, plenty of plenty to give. So now we're shifting our, our lanes a little bit and, and creating some new services. So yeah, that is a really, really good one. I think, you know, it, I don't, I don't think it just applies to business owners. If I think about, you know, some of the people that work in my business, but even you know, broadly into any, into any kind of profession, you know, you see, you see people that, for example, um, Sirius just popped up. I didn't, did not talking to Sirius. And um, if I had, if I had taken what I learned in visual communication at NESA in 20 years ago, oh, Jesus, longer than that. Uh, and, um, you know, was still operating like a classic graphic designer, like might have some business, sure. But, you know, so much has changed in that time. And if I had just settled with, you know, those core learnings, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I think that this idea of in your role, even just not settling and continually pushing yourself and, and you know, your bosses and your and your business. Like I love, I love when a designer or, um, you know, someone in the team comes up with a, a new tool or a new idea of how we can improve things or it's just it's sort of, you know, you've got to be a bit restless and, and keep breaking things to be able to improve. Yeah, love it. Love it. All right, we made it. Number 10. Number 10 is purpose without a capital P. So this has been a continuing journey for me around, I don't, like I said before, I didn't start any of my businesses with with this with a with a big purpose right so i didn't i didn't read you know start with why and sit down and be like cool like what's the, what's the golden circle what's you know what, what's my why um, my why really was i don't want to work in a pub and a in a retail shop and i would prefer to earn my beer money by doing design than doing retail okay that that that's where the purpose started i, I think you know maybe five six years into running dn i started thinking about this more and doing my own podcast and speaking to some you know, much smarter people than me and, and people running really purpose-driven businesses, doing great stuff for their teams and, and communities and started thinking, I, I think I got a bit lost in it thinking like, what, what's my purpose? Like I run a, you know, I run a digital agency, like why? And I, I got a bit lost in it, but I think especially reflecting last year after sort of the merge happened and having a bit of space to look back on what I had built and my team coming across and you know, having a really passionate team that didn't leave, you know, during a, a fairly tumultuous time, I started realizing that there was this idea of, you know, my purpose isn't saving the world. My purpose isn't, um, you know, really sort of bigger societal benefits or, um, you know, sociological or environmental, but um, it's things that are actually important to me. So, you know, curiosity is one a family and community is one and I started realizing that you know the, the little things that are important to me are actually what drive me and and it is about keeping them really close to what I do and, and not losing track of that but it doesn't have to be this sort of big great um you know why 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 do you exist why are you in business I had um I had lunch with Andre Eckermeyer um who for those who don't know is um SA guy that started Vino Mofo, uh, and then uh, exited out of Vino Mofo and started a business called The Good Empire, which is a, a for-purpose uh, sustainability app. Very smart guy, very passionate guy, very purpose-driven guy. But I had lunch with him, and he sort of sat down and he's like, "Sam, what is your purpose?" And it, it was probably five, six years ago. It just kind of it it hit me in a way that I didn't like at the time because it made me feel like, oh, "What am I doing with my life?" But mm. yeah, I think that the reflection of that is no, like it's the little things for me, and it is, it is 
bringing my own personal values, such as curiosity, such as community into my everyday and into my business, um, which gives me, feeds me and feeds, you know, keeps me wanting to wake up and come into work every day um, and hopefully aligns myself with clients and, and the team. Yeah, no, I really, really like that. And for me, I'm the same. I'm like, well, maybe my purpose is just to create an, a really nice place for people to work, to work. Like our employees love working right. with us and that's, that's a good enough purpose for me. Um, and what a way to end it. We've got less than a minute. You absolutely nailed it. Um, thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom with us. Thank you for your time. Um, and nice. hopefully, hopefully you had a bit of fun. And the next time I see you, I promise I won't put you on my back. <laughs> but you, okay. you're, maybe we'll I'll stand that. on your shoulders based on your tip number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can stand on your shoulders. Okay, cool. We'll give it a go. Thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate it. No worries, no, I really appreciate it. Yeah, bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ninky Talks. If you did, please review and subscribe. See you next time.